HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. We talk about food. We talk about music with musical dudes. Finger on the pulse, snacky tunes. Hello and welcome to Snacky Tunes. I'm your host, Darren Bresnitz. It is my absolute pleasure today to be in Philadelphia chatting with Alex Kemp, the chef and co-owner of Mylou. Talk to this fellow Canadian about his culinary adventures, the time he spent in Montreal, San Francisco, New York, and eventually winding up in the city of brotherly love. We talk about his restaurant, which recently was on one of Eater's hot new restaurants in America, the work that he's done with chef partner wife Amanda Schulman, and what one can expect when they go to the restaurant that's a little dark, a little loud, and absolutely perfect for the night out. And then it's a dive into the archives where we chat with Miami Drive. They talk about how food was their first passion before music, their unique approach to writing songs, and their deep love for their sunny roots in South Florida. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy Snacky Tunes here on Heritage Radio Network.
Alex. Welcome to Snacky Tunes. It's not only great to check in with Philadelphia, but fellow Canadian cooked at some of my favorite restaurants of all time in Montreal. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Welcome to Snacky Tunes. Thanks, Darren. Fired up to be here and go Habs go. Go Habs go. Well, I mean, go Flyers, but the Flyers, it's tough. (laughs) It's tough. It's tough. Um, You know, speaking of Canada, you grew up in a small town. Um, What was it like growing up? Was food a big part of it? You know, because I know you got into restaurants really early. So mom cooked, dad cooked, grandparents. What was the scene like in your Uh, your house? You know, you know what? It's not the it's not the usual picturesque chefs, you know, where I watched my grandma cook. Sure, sure, Uh, sure. I grew grew up with a single mother and uh, we moved around a lot. I grew up on the Quebec side and my family on my mother's side and father's side, they're both uh, full, like fully Quebecois. So it was, it was not so much cooking. It was more, um, I was around like the party. So Christmas in my house, people are drinking wine, you know, you're having a glass of wine at 14, you got the mussels, you got the duck and it was not cooked necessarily well. <laughs> like, I don't remember the flavors, but I just remember the feeling of being sure in a party and being around people you love. Is, is that party? Cause you said 14 and that's when you started getting into restaurants. Was it that vibe that got you into restaurants or was it like, uh, just necessity. I, you know, I, I always kind of like, I started kind of cooking at 14, 15. I started off as a dishwasher mm. and I kind of, I love the rush of like being around a bunch of people and, and, and the, the rush of service and the hustle and bustle and, you know, everyone like kind of hangs out after and this camaraderie. And I, I thought it was so cool, but you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do for a long time. Mm. Um, and school was tough because I just, I, you know, I was always a bright kid, but I just, I just didn't love the structure and the the classroom setting, I guess you could mm-hmm, say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're in the small town, but you eventually wind up in arguably one of the best restaurant cities in the world, Montreal, it's where my dad is from. And I feel like even I growing up, you know, I go to Schwartz's and then, you know, I went to like Apieta Cachon and started going all to the new spots. Um, and that's when you were like in that era of cooking. What was the scene like? Like, I, I know oh. that, I know that like Bourdain sort of, made it more famous than it was at the time, but you were actually living it. I think, I think to, to, to really like to touch base on what y'all, you really have to start probably a year or two beforehand. Um, I was living in the Canadian Rockies and okay. uh, I was working at this hotel. And back then I thought, you know, hotel restaurants and, you know, there's this thing in Canada called the Red Seal, which really doesn't mean much, but sure. um, I thought the hotels were where I needed to be. But I had this weird gut feeling that I needed to go work at this restaurant called 18 uh, in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I flew on, on a whim um, my aunts were living there at the time. I flew on a whim and I, and I staged and did not get the job, but hmm. I was moving to Ottawa regardless. And I, 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 I flew back and I knocked on the door every day for a week. And what, and what makes that restaurant so special is that like when I worked there, it was the first time that I worked in like a, a fine dining restaurant. Um, but the team there was really, really special. There was a guy named Steve who ended up being the head chef at St. John. Mm. Was, we were and we were all cooks together. There was a guy yeah, ben, yeah, Ng. Yeah. ben Ng was the chef at Noma for a while, um, and three or four other people ended up doing really big things. The, the wine guy was for for Bastianich for a long time, um, so it was a really special thing. But after that, I got um, I, I decided I needed to stage. I needed to go to the U.S. I had never been to the U.S. really up until I was seventeen or eighteen. So I, I you know, a guy named Chris Cosentino. You know, Chris, of course. Yeah. So, so I emailed Chris. Yeah. I remember on my uh, on my BlackBerry. 
Um, <laughs> I, I, I would email them every day because all, all my friends wanted to go to Danielle and all my friends wanted to go to French Laundry. Sure, 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 sure. You know, the cookbooks are beautiful and, and those restaurants are great, but I wanted to go somewhere and be different. I always wanted to be different. So, yeah. so I, I email Chris and I never forget it. I was on the city bus on the way to, to 18 one day and I get a text, an email from Chris. <laughs> and I, my heart stopped. Like, oh, fuck. Chris, Chris calls the Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and he, and he says, sure, come stage. But if you're not good, we can fire you. <laughs> you're like, no pressure. But yeah, I mean, that so was, I, yeah, that was the time me, back then though, right? You could just be yeah, like, just show up every different. day, show up every day. And then yeah. get in the door and you prove yourself. It was fucking cool. And, and and I remember I remember I was like, you know, I didn't tell my family. I was, I was enrolled in culinary school at the time. And I, and, and I just dropped out of culinary school. I was like, fuck it. I'm going to go for a month in San Francisco, work for free, work for Chris. And the reason I, I bring the story up before Montreal is that mm-hmm. um, I went there and, 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 you know, I showed up in jean shorts and a Montreal Expos t-shirt. I'll never forget it. And I, and I sat down at the bar, never been to America. I was 18 years old, 19 years old, couldn't even drink. And uh, I ate the whole menu just to show Chris like that I could like, I can eat like I'm. I'm here. Like I'm ready to show up, right? And you know what? I, I ended up working there six days a week for for four weeks. I was cooked mm. by the end of it. I was cooked by the end of it. But he was the one that reached out to um, to reach out to Martin Picard and got me the job at uh, Got at It. Pichon. So got when I came it. back from that, I when I came back from America and, and being at Encanto, which is a really special restaurant, so special. I, uh, I loved it. I, for me, I was like, it changed my life. Like, I'll never forget. The t- it's, it's like I'm chasing the dragon, you know, and they say, when they talk about drugs, when I ate a tomato in San Francisco for the first time at that, that young, I still mm. have never tasted a tomato that, that delicious. I mean, you're hitting on all, you know, that, that era and that time, the conversation really between like San Francisco, Montreal, New York, I feel like you, you, those three cities were talking to each other and, and having such strong relationships and both cooking yeah. and who's going back and forth. And it was to me, in America, like that was—I mean, Chicago had, was having a moment too. But I felt like that that triangle of of Montreal, yeah, of San Francisco, New York, everyone was swapping, everyone was talking. You know, Ophel was really coming in, Snap yes, to Snap cooking, all that type of stuff. Um, and you talk about Apieta Kashan, and I remember going up there, and also being—you're at Caban Asuk, um, yeah, Caban, yeah, and uh, eating there as well, and just being like so decadent so lively but also like yeah. a party a vibe and and i get what you're saying because fine dining and high end was like quiet muted white tablecloths and then to like be like it was rollicking um, yeah, that was the era that was the era yeah. when things were starting to change i feel like you know i was so young but you know all these things that have happened for a reason like the year that i was at uh caban like you said it was so like crazy we were working we were doing crazy. like two thousand covers a week like yeah it, it's 45 minutes 50 minutes outside the city but um like the year I was there, Bourdain did his like parts yep. unknown there. Yeah, it was just like everything was just so cool. And and Vincent, who's who's Vincent Dion Lavallee, who's huge in, in in Montreal now, um, was there. And the dish I did there, and this dish that I had to do. So you go there and you do a dish, and uh, I had to do this. I was paired up with this guy from New York, a guy named Danny Newberg, who's a good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had to do this chicken. You're gonna laugh. This classic, a chicken. Okay, that was stuffed with cottachino sausage, sure. caramelized onions, mm-hmm. foie gras lobster and then we made a lobster stock inject um um, blended it with equal parts clarified butter injected the bird roasted the bird (laughs) took the drippings and make an egg yolk sauce like a a egg yolk like a thickened with egg yolk sauce in the thermomix every day for three months i mean (laughs) listen if if i remember how i felt after the meal there that that typifies the type of dishes and it was just it was just such an experience and you could just feel oh, cool. you could feel I mean, you know, to even talk about the technique behind it, you could go in and be like, We're just gonna blast this thing with like 
fat and flavor and things like that. But it's like, no, like the base is really, really traditional type of like French cooking technique. Um, very, very much so. And uh, like very old school, very old world type of cooking as well. Um, and so I know that you're in Montreal and you're in this scene um, and you hadn't been to New York yet. So what what actually made you want to get uh, down to the city? Like after being in San Francisco, after being in Montreal, what pulled you out of Canada again? Uh, well, I went to Joe Beef after that. And that was like a really eye-opening experience because sure. Marco, Marco, who's like yeah. probably, probably – Shout out. Love him. Definitely a mentor. Yeah, he's the best. And he – like just the way he cooked was like so light. And so there was that balance of light and like the way he plates. And, you know, that was eye-opening. And then I worked at uh, Van Papillon. And then mm-hmm. I had a girlfriend at the time uh, who moved to Halifax. And, you know, I I – I don't know why I guess everything happens for a reason. I moved to Halifax and you know, I was alone there. I didn't have any, that many friends. So I just mm. I started buying cookbooks and I got the 11 Madison park cookbook. Sure. Um, and back then it was like, you remember when that came out, it was so sick I, sitting on my shelf in the other yeah, room. Yeah. yeah. Classic. And, and I, and I said, you know, fuck it. I'm just gonna, I'm going to book a flight and I'm going to stage at four or five places. But that's the job I wanted. And I just kind of went on my own and just like 18, I just took a flight and with a backpack and I just, um, came to new york and i just i'd never been to new york before so i was there on my own so it's kind of crazy and i uh go ahead no i was saying you were there at a really special time too i mean that was also when new york was changing because um i was there too and you could just feel it in the air and 11 madison park and going out to those fine dining meals wasn't what it is today like even if you were like working and grinding it out you could still afford to go there i mean it was like special but then you had things opening up like Sambar and Co. And I know that you spent time yeah. working in those restaurants. Um, what was it like to be to go from like the Montreal scene that was happening, oh, yes. the New York scene that was happening? Yeah. Like, <laughs> how much in the conversation did you feel, and like that you actually had influence of like what was going on in the yeah. culinary scene? Well, one thing I find about uh, you know working at EMP was 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 a huge eye opening experience for me. The one thing that I found, the first thing I noticed, it's funny you ask, is that like mm-hmm. when I got there, like I knew how to cook. Sure. Like I, I knew how to like bang out like, like dude, at Joby for is fucking busy, man. And we're doing, and I'm cooking. We don't have like a prep team in the morning doing our peas, like or chucking our fava beans or 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 peeling our you know whatever. Like you're doing everything yourself. Mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. one thing. That was at the time when America started switching and and the prep became completely different. So there was just yes. a massive team. There's 50 cooks in the kitchen, and and everything was so beautiful. And I said, you know, you know, honestly, Darren, I looked at myself, said, what the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> But then, and for it's the good first to have months, those moments in life, it's good to have those moments. Yeah, but when it came to, like making family meal or it came to make a cooking sure. or like making something on the fly, like I could do it, and I knew that I could hang with the best of them. Mm. I don't care if someone worked there for years because like I had like I could yeah. cook. I know you know that's a huge thing. So, um, that's the one thing I noticed. And then the first two months were really really rough, and I just remember thinking to myself like, dude, like we'd prep like four quarts, like they prep like a quart of sauce for service, and I was like, that's so easy. And at Joe Beef, we cook, we do like nine quarts of sauce. But then I realized that that one quart of sauce, if it's not absolutely perfect, you, you know, you get, you get, you get in trouble and you have to redo it. So it's like, yeah, it's just a different, different restaurant. Like it's same, it's, but, but it's different. same, but it's different. And, um, I think back then too, is that there was this, there came to be this shared respect that you could be at a Joe beef doing this type of restaurant or, um, uh, Vin Papillon or co or Sambar or like a dirt candy, like, everyone was like pulling from the same like place of respect and, and, you know, with like fresh vegetables and thinking about the way that restaurants could be and, and developing into the future of like what the next generation, the next chapter of, of, of spots are going to look like. And yeah. you got to be there when some of the old rules were being thrown out. How much did that 
inspire you when you finally start thinking about like maybe one day I would open up my own spot? I, I to be honest, I never I always knew that I would never open up anything remotely close to an eleven Madison Park. Uh not not because it's like you honestly, have a few have, million in the bank. Yeah, I don't yeah, have yeah, like yeah, tens yeah. of millions of dollars, right? So <laughs> back then, like back then it was just funny how people changed. Like I was twenty one years old, twenty two years old. Mm-hmm. And, like the most important thing to me was like wearing that badge on my chest and working at the best restaurant and like and and you know, I thought that was so important back then. Um but I just completely changed that. You know, I did fine dining for four years afterwards. And I can kind of get off track here. I don't remember where we were. No, it was just – I was talking about when you start thinking about having your own spot. And I'm glad oh. you actually brought up the fine dining thing because having that fundamental – and you talked about it from the very beginning of like going, cooking, starting young, working your way up. And knowing that you could do fine dining. You could brew all day if you want. Yeah. you know. But like and going out and having that base and starting to do your own yeah. thing gives you that freedom to be like – I could do I could do fine dining, but I want to take those skills and put it somewhere else. Yeah, I, I you know what? What? Now no, I just got, came back to me. What I really what I really took away from it? Sorry, the answer machine is going on behind me. But um, what was 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 systems was so mm. important because systems and and attitude and camaraderie and teamwork and seasoning those are the five things I took away from 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 working at a place like that. Um, I, you know. Excel it sounds so ridiculous, but Excel spreadsheets for prep lists and stuff like that, it does make a difference. And, and the way you store, the way you store things and how clean it looks and it all adds up, you know, it makes your life a lot easier if it's efficient. Yeah. But I, I think it's putting in that time and then also seeing like, we have structure, we, we, we cut the tape, we don't rip it, you know, setting all those exactly. things up and learning those fine little things when you get into service and when you get it up and, and how it starts in the back of the house and works the way to the front, it does influence the customer's experience. And so even 100%. if it's, and, and I know that you and Amanda have been, built these places that feel like homey and casual and things like that, but it is resting on this foundation 100%. of like, of like, you know, top mission star restaurants um, structure. and structure. All right. I want to take a quick musical break. And then when I come back, uh, I want to talk about when you start thinking about Philadelphia, my uh, Lou, her place, separate club, and then also, the music that you play at the restaurant. We have a song from the archives here on Snacky Tunes on Heritage Radio Network.
Welcome back to Snacky Tunes. I'm here with Chef Alex Kemp, uh, co-owner of My Lou. And you're in New York City. You're cooking at all these incredible restaurants. Um, and I know you made it back to Montreal at some point to cook with uh, Marc Olivier and, and, and work with Vanya at Mon Lapin. But when did Philadelphia start coming into an idea of a spot that you would want to set up shop? Um, so it was Amanda and I were together for about three or four years at this point. The pandemic hit and she moved back to Connecticut before moving eventually to Philadelphia because um, her visa ended in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, I always knew I wanted to come back to the U.S. I love I love, I love, love living in the U.S. I think it's the best. Um, but I ended up coming back to the U.S. and working privately in the Hamptons mm. during COVID. During COVID, so that was a nice break. And Amanda was, you know, opening her place, Supper Club, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in Philadelphia. Um, and like I said, I moved around a lot as a, as a kid, so I don't really have like roots anywhere. Um, and I guess my roots were kind of with Amanda, so um, <laughs> I made the move to to Philadelphia. I always liked it. I love sports. I love uh, great sports. Blue collar, hardworking. Everyone's just no bullshit in Philadelphia, and uh, they, you know that really attracted me. So when Amanda opened her place, Supper Club, it was kind of the natural progression that I would couldn't live in the Hamptons for, <laughs> forever. So, <laughs> and uh, I had my fill of the Hamptons. Spent two winters in the Hamptons, so um, I'm I'm Hamptoned out for a little bit. But um, yeah, so I made the move to Philadelphia. And so, what was your role? Um, I mean, obviously, you were partners in life, and now you're married. But you know, it's one thing to be partners in life; it's another thing to be working in a restaurant together and sharing the business part of your life. How did you find that balance? was the goal that you would help support there and then eventually open up your own spot. How did that all, all unfold? You know, back then it was like, there was so much uncertainty with everything, you know? Mm. Um, but, but, you know, everyone always asked Amanda and I like, what's, how do you guys do it? How do you work together? How do you live together? Like Amanda is yeah. literally my, like, it's kind of cheesy, but she's my best friend. Like we work oh, out together. We, I love it. We, we, we live together. We work together. And, and it's never been, you know, we, we definitely know our lanes and we, we stay in our lanes. Like there's things that I know she knows how to do. And there's things that I know how to do that she doesn't know how to do. And, kind of complimented her well like that but when she she you know it's always kind of an understanding that i had to take a back seat while she opened up her place supper club and um she created this really special restaurant it's mm-hmm, so unique and mm-hmm. so amazing um and and i kind of had to be like a, an emotional like support <laughs> i don't say dog but you know i was just there partner. for her so you're, you're my best ideas is, yeah. partner exactly so I, I would help i would help her write menus and, and and when i first moved to philadelphia um or just have it just she would call and just vent me vent to me at the time i was I was in the Hamptons, so when she first opened. Uh, but when I moved back, I worked there for the four or five months, and mm-hmm. you know we've never, we've never really gotten in a big argument about food, <laughs> um, and it's just always been seamless. And what she's done over at her place, she's so talented; it's, it's kind of insane. It's, I mean, it's it's insane, it's, and it's just like all off her own hands. And, and yeah. she did it. She did it. You know, she didn't create this big fancy restaurant when it took out you know a million dollar investment. She. She, you know, she did it with nothing and, and she's built this thing from the ground up, which is unheard of nowadays, you know? Yeah. And I think it is a sort of return, um, you know, after that era of big restaurants and so much money coming in and owing so much to investors, I think in the post pandemic, it was just like, well, how do we open? How do we plan? What's a work life balance? Like, how do we, how do we approach running a restaurant that isn't going to put us back to right right where we were before we knew all the problems before we were talking about them. But now we all yeah. really know what the problems are of working in the restaurant business with burnout and mental health and things like that. And let's create a place that puts up great food and has great cooking, but doesn't completely define our lives. I, I, I gotta, I gotta tell you, like I, I agree with a lot of stuff too, but like, you know, 
I fucking love restaurants and I love, yeah. and I love the restaurant industry. And I, I, you know, what Amanda has done over her place is she works, she works her ass off. She treats of everyone well, she works everyone well, but you know what? It's fucking hard. And like restaurants are always going to be hard. Sure. Finance, finance is hard. Real estate's hard. You know, waste management's hard. Everything's hard. But like, sometimes I feel like uh restaurants sometimes get vict- uh, villainized a little bit when it's like mm. getting so many people from other countries, including myself, I'm an immigrant or, or, or from lower means of education or whatever it is. It's giving people so many different opportunities and, and, and a life, you know, do you agree with that or no? I agree with that. And I agree that, um, hundred so percent. I mean, listen, when my dad, my dad would come down to like the Catskills in the seventies and work as a waiter from yeah. Montreal. And that was, you know, him working in the States and things like that. So cool. And I've always thought that, um, restaurants was a great way to find an anchor in a different country and things like that. I think yeah. more to, um, the way the restaurants used to be run. And, you know, I know that with like, um, her place and my Lou, like you guys don't, um, you aren't open on Saturday and Sundays and it's giving you like a work-life balance. I think it's bringing in a little bit more of that idea of just like, what can this lifestyle be? It's so hard, but like, hard, we, yeah. we don't have to, we don't have to work to the point where we're killing ourselves exactly. all the time. Yeah. All, all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the Maybe time. Six, just six and a half days a week. Six and a half days a week. Um, yeah. And I want to get to my Lou because you, you know, you, you're at her place, Supper Club. It's such a success, national recognition, all the awards. Um, when did you start thinking like, could there be a sibling restaurant? Could I, could we open up another spot that would be in conversation together? You know, yeah. does that make sense, or do I need to go break off and do my own thing? Like, how did you start formulating that idea? Well, we started. So originally, we started. You know, we started looking at spaces, but I'll, I'll, it, it kind of started like our third date there. And we, uh, <laughs> we, were, we were on a date. We were on a date in the in East Village. Um, and I, and I, I started talking about this restaurant. Yeah. This restaurant's good. It's like loud. It's too dark. It's a little too loud. The wine's flowing. The oysters are on ice. Yeah. The music's bumping. That's I'm the type in. of place where you, you think you're going to spend $50 and you get a check and it's, let's say, 70 But you're just like, you know what? That was fucking sick. And I'm going to come back. Yeah. And the vibe's there. And the staffer, they care. And it's hospitable. And when I spoke to Amanda about this, you know, almost seven years now, six years ago, her eyes glazed over and I knew right, like, I think it was, right, I always, I always tell the story. It's right then and there that I knew like, okay, we're in love. Like, this is it. Um, uh, and, I love that. Uh, and so we started looking at spaces for a different concept. And then uh, we found this, we found what is now Milu and we walked in and we both just looked at each other and we said, this is it. So the idea was always kind of, uh, she would open her baby and then my baby would be second. Um, well, I guess our baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, once we walked in, we knew this was going to be it. And you two decided to open it together. Um, And I know we talked about a little bit of the balance of the hours of the restaurant, but what is it like running? I mean, Her Place Supper Club is like such a high profile place now. And then opening up another restaurant almost on the heels of it, uh, of it being a a success and established, getting all the national recognition. What was the structure like? How do you guys run it? Like, how do you find that time to approach both? We're so lucky that we both have different skill sets. So, so when it comes to the actual, like the food and, 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 and the day to day, I'm definitely, um, I had it here, because it would just be too much, but when it comes to everything else and, 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 and bouncing ideas or, or the business side of things, Amanda's my support in that sense. So mm. we do everything together. We bounce everything off together, but it actually works out perfectly. Like in the mornings, you know, we'll go, we'll go for a run together or to, to take our dog Tootsie for a walk or something. Mm. But we kind of split. It's funny because they're like a block, two blocks away from each other. So she'll go right. I go left. And I then we kind that. of start our day and then, you know, she'll stop in, you know, three, twice a day. Um, 
but we kind of just stay in our in our in our lanes and we and it's it's pretty special it's really fucking cool man i mean it's it's so special and you've really created these these special home spots that really do feel like homes and lived in um for both like friends and families and people coming to town um and I know part of that, a big part of that is the cooking because you've been able to take all these things starting from when you were like such a young kid getting started through your times in San Francisco, New York, London, Montreal, Philadelphia. How have you filtered it all? Because when I was reading about the raw bar, I was like, oh, I could see the Joe Beef raw bar, your interpretation of that at your spot. So like, how did you filter everything so it feels cohesive? Uh it's it's just, everything is just like well if we're talking about just the food or the restaurant like the food let's talk the about the food, food is, first because and then yeah. we'll talk about the design yeah yeah the food the food is very much like so it's tough like I'm sure every chef will tell you when you open your first restaurant like it's my first time owning a restaurant so sure it's like, I, I I I'm so conscious of like not stealing ideas so it's like or or you or I don't want to be that guy that's like taking ideas from other people so sometimes that's kind of a I don't want to say like a roadblock but. It kind of just happens naturally. Like the, the yeah. restaurant we opened, the restaurant we opened in May is not the restaurant that it is now. And of course. the restaurant in July of next year won't be the restaurant it is now. It's just like always evolving. But yeah, I definitely take like different parts from each restaurant. Like I think when you come to Miley and you get the seafood tower, it is elaborate. It is massive. It mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. meal on its own. And I think that like everything here, we I always tell the cooks and they, they make fun of me by my back for sure and to my face. But it's everything's <laughs> abundant. Everything's everything's abundant. Everything's generous. Everything's warm. Everything has intention. Everything is just like not just like giving you a small bite of something on a little white tablecloth. Like it's like when you're coming to Milo, you're at our house and we're going to fucking crush you unless you don't want to be crushed. Yeah. So I think it's so cool. Yeah. You can have the option. I mean, I definitely, uh, the, the crush, the crushing of the guests and, and, and friends is definitely, we have to read the table. So, so what we do yeah, there yeah, is yeah. we have, I, I, we have this thing called let us cook for you on the menu, which is pretty cool. And our servers here and the staff here and our management team here is so good. And after, after, after like being opened, maybe, Two months, you know, I was going to do a classic tasting menu where we had a set menu, you know, yeah. up every day. And then, you know what? I thought to myself, I talked to Amanda and I said, this, the servers here are the best, in my opinion, around. And I think that we should give them the power to write the menus. So, so, so when you say crush, the server can, if it's an older couple from Rittenhouse that don't want to get crushed, they read right. the table and we just, we just do less or we, or we do maybe more like more acid based or like less butter sauce. I love yeah, and like I don't know, like I could be have an ego and be a chef and be like, no, they get the fucking foie gras and this that. But you know yeah. what? I don't know. Like I don't know. Maybe you know, Kristen or Alyssa or Jill are, are talking to to one of the guests. They know more than me what they what the guests want. And maybe maybe it is like a little raw bar, a lighter salad, a nice fish, yeah. chicken, something like that. Dessert, yeah, and they walk out. It's it's that personal touch, and and I and I know that that going back to um, the design of the spot, like that is like feeling home that neighborhood spot and you know which feels so great and you you have this um library wall that has all these personal touches and all these like yeah. different tchotchkes i'd love to hear about like how the design uh reflects and supports this approach to service and like treating everyone as an individual at the restaurant not to be like you come down everyone gets the same experience yeah, well, you know what? It's, it's kind of a complicated answer, as you can see. I'm sometimes a little long winded here, but the, I'm, I'm here the, for like, the the shout out Cano Design. First of all, they 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 really yeah. helped us out when we opened. They're awesome. Um, and the idea of the bookshelf was like, I don't want to go into a cookie cutter restaurant. Mm-hmm. Everything in this restaurant is not cookie cutter. So no. So let's say the service you get when we we hired every server and, and with our general manager, we we spoke. We said. I don't want, hello, how are you? Like, what can I get this evening? Some people, that's fine. But I was like, I want you to talk to the guests. And like, I want, 
like I said earlier, everything has intention. The way we speak to people, the way we, you, like, how are you? Like, where did you come from? Like, welcome. And, and, and the, the wall itself is just like such a nice touch when you sit down in that back room and the music's flowing and you got the candles lit and you look up and you see a picture of, you know, me and my grandmother or, or, mm. or Amanda's parents or, or, you know, our, our nephews. It's like, it just adds the, it just adds the experience. I know it sounds cheesy, but it's just like, you're in there and maybe there's a Montreal Canadiens thing and a Buffalo Bills thing on the wall. And then, yeah. you, you know, it's like, it's just so cool. <laughs> it's so no, cool. And I special place, man. People want, they want that special thing. And listen, like I, I know there's a lot of talk now about like finding five or six restaurants, if that many, just supporting them and, and making that as like, I'm coming here once a month or I'm coming here three times a week or something like that. And yeah, and it can't be cookie cutter anymore. It can't just be like, all right, yeah. pick, pick out of these 12 designs. It's, it's, it's gotta feel, it's gotta feel like you're entering someone's spot. And I know that earlier you had talked about, um, you know, a dark space, a little too loud, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, too Fleetwood loud. Mac <laughs> on the stereo. Yeah, so like, yeah. What's the music that people can expect? What's the vibe when people are walking in now, especially as we head into like the colder, dark winter days of Philadelphia? So, so I'll tell you, Darren, the, the, the music here is very, very all over the place. So, but it's very much like, it's like, an, I don't want to say an orchestra, it's so tacky, but it's like when you come in at five o'clock, maybe there's Motown playing, you know, maybe there's, maybe there's something softer playing, but you know what? You, you come back here at nine 30, 10 o'clock at night and you have people singing Celine Dion out of their straws. And have, we've had more than one time, the whole restaurant doing carry like singing together to, 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 to Whitney Houston, to, to, to all kinds of different songs you would not normally see in a restaurant because I want the guests to feel good. It's not necessarily, we don't play music necessarily that like I think is cool or what I obviously I have to like the music. It's not like the hits like from the 2020s, but it's like, I want the guests to enjoy the music. And I want them to enjoy where they're, where, what they're listening to. I mean, so it's, I'm yeah. just Bashy boys. I don't care. Sometimes you're the Bashy boys. I know it's not like cool, but I don't really care. Sometimes it's about, it. I mean, that's the great thing I love about Philly and, and you mentioned that as well, is that like, there is this blue collar, like there are times when there is no pretension and like, it's just like, this is just the song we want to hear. And we, we want to belt it out loud and, and just like embrace the city and embrace the brother. Yeah, if you don't like it, if you don't like it, it's like people are, you know how Philly is. You don't like it, you don't have to oh, be here. It's like, yeah, yeah. If you don't like it, you can, there's the fucking door, you know? Yeah, um, exactly. So you're a few months in and I know you talked about like the restaurants can be different in July and things like that, but what excites you the most about the media and like the distant future of my Lou, uh, the team, the team, and the food growing. Um, the kitchen team here is is is, is so good, uh, and I'm just excited to keep cooking it. And like I said earlier, like the reason the restaurant changes is the recipes get improved, our ideas get improved. The cooks and my sous chefs, uh, Jake and Sage, they 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 start to learn like our, our repertoire, I guess you could say. And and then everyone starts to build on it. Like you can't come into a restaurant and just create dishes when you've never worked. Like you only been mm. open six months, but now I have a cook. I have this girl, um, Danielle. She's, she's 23 years old. Uh, I'll tell you a quick story. She, she's like bringing dishes ideas to me. And it's, she's so, so impressive. This girl started cooking meats two weeks ago. Okay. And, and Darren last Friday, uh, two, uh, two months ago, sorry. And last Friday, I look over Darren and she's got quails on the grill. She's got three different cuts of beef. She's got a half chicken. She's cooking two different fish and a oh, halibut yeah. tail and a halibut tail. 22 years old. And that is what I'm excited about. I'm excited about the team growing because if the team grows and then the, the wine list improves, Noah's shout out Noah, he's the best. And, and and the bar program with Jill and everything, everything's just getting better. And I know sometimes you're in like a rabbit hole and you think that the restaurant's not improving, but you know, you look back and you're like, holy shit, like last May, we had no idea what we were doing, which I, sometimes I still don't, but <laughs> it's just so cool to see that everything evolve. No, and you can tell what a special place. And I know I haven't been back to Philly since you opened, but I can't wait to come in. And you can just you gotta come in. I know I could just you know what what you and Amanda are doing is and the whole team is so special. Um, 
if people want to come in and visit, if people want to just want to see what you guys are doing and things like that, or, or snag a reservation. I know you guys are big on walk-ins. Uh, where can they go? How can they come check out the spot? Check out Resi for for reservations. They do book out thirty days in advance, yeah. so I, I do. It's ever since the, the recent media, it's been pretty busy. But um, we we always leave about you know maybe twenty percent for walk-ins, but it gets busy, man. It's hard. It's it's, it's only there's only so many seats, and I know Amanda sometimes gets gets some slack for. Um, for not having reservations, but there's only so many seats, you know, it's tough. I mean, We're so lucky. That's the it's flip crazy. side. Of, that's the flip side of Philly too. You know, it's the yeah, people, yeah, yeah. you know, it's how it goes. Yeah, yeah. Listen, congratulations to you. Also, congratulations on the wedding. It was, it looked beautiful. And thanks. I like appreciate that in the summer. Um, cool. Shout out to all of the, the friends in Montreal as well. And uh, yeah. we have a song from the archives and then a live performance here on Snacky Tunes on Heritage Radio Network.
Hi, listeners. We wanted to let you know that Heritage Radio Network's Julia Child Fellowship application is now open. The fellowship offers an enriching experience for aspiring food writers and journalists who share our passion for food systems change. The fellowship is a great way to progress in the field of food journalism and digital media and will start in early January 2024. This fellowship will provide participants with hands-on experience, mentorship, and access to an extensive network of industry professionals. The application deadline is November 27, 2023. Check out heritageradionetwork.org and click on the Julia Child Foundation Writing Fellowship link to learn more. If you or someone you know has interest in food studies and journalism, this might be a great fit. Go to heritageradionetwork.org and check out the application today. Thank you. Welcome to the show, Miami Drive. Uh, welcome, Julio and Michelle. Hello. Thank you. Thank you. And Tiffany. Hi, Hi Tiffany. I'm not in yeah. it. But. You're not in it, but I'm you're here to eat pizza. You should. <laughs> Fanny, you're, can you be considered potential muse? Definitely. Oh, definitely. Um, actually, Permanent Love, I think, the music came from uh, how I felt about Tiffany. Aww. We recently met, and then that happened, and then Michelle wrote some amazing lyrics to it. There we have it. Blushing over pizza, I see. <laughs> Tears in heaven. Tears in heaven. <laughs> so welcome and shout out to Andrew Posa for another great curated band thrown our way. That man. Yes, sir. Yeah, that guy. Best, best bass face in Brooklyn. Definitely. Yes. So. Six years in a row? Seven, I don't know. I've lost, I've lost count now. Something like that. Something like that. Um, so welcome, guys. So ha- talk to me about uh, how you got started, how you two met. Um, well, uh, Michelle's husband... Now husband Ari Kushner, he um, at, at the time I was I've always been uh, my, my first my first uh, musical influence is jazz and I played the sax a whole bunch for most of my upbringing and uh, then I got into you know like as most jazz musicians and you get into things like Fruity Loops and uh, Ableton and uh, all that kind of thing reason and so I started making some electronic music. And uh, Ari's like, you know, you should come out sometime and meet this girl, Michelle. She's just uh, getting into singing, and she plays the guitar, and she has a few songs that maybe you would be interested in trying to produce. Uh, and I never, I never took him up on that on that offer. I, I never went to, to meet them, but eventually he had to bring her to my parents' house. Uh, I was like, this is Michelle, um, and let's. Uh, I mean, pretty much, because uh, wow. I, I think I, we met once where Ari was DJing at at. Uh, that place, um, what's it? The Rally Hotel. The Rally Hotel. Oh yeah. So it, it just happened, and uh, she had some songs that were really nice, and we started to pretty much arrange them together, and I started producing them a bit, uh, and that's how we met. We met through through Actually, Ari, the guy that's is. out there taking pictures. <laughs> oh, is that your husband? Uh-huh. <laughs> Come on in. We got a seat. Yeah. Man, it's a, just a room full of love today. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Room full of love. So you guys met, and wait, you said the Raleigh down in Miami? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're yeah. both from Miami, okay. um, and, you know, hence the name, and we, we uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's our biggest influence wow. is the city. I, I mean, meeting her forced on you at your parents' house in Miami is like, I mean, I don't know if you're Jewish, but that is the classic Jewish love story. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't so, it, it happened, yeah, it was, I, I was not going out at that, that time in my life, I don't think so much. Awesome. I'm still pretty much a... A homebody? Yeah. All right. That's cool. So you had some songs, and you guys started collaborating, and how instantaneously did you both think that this was going to be a good fit? Uh, pretty pretty soon, I think. I, I think my concept was I wanted to work with, uh, wanted to work with um, a child, actually. Um, 
a voice that was very innocent sounding, and I think Michelle was just really getting into it at that time. It was uh, something that you hadn't been doing for no, for too I just, long. Right? I had just started actually, um, so my voice kind of resembled a child at that time. So it worked out pretty well. the The initial songs were very romantic. Um, very melodic, very sweet, and so it worked really well. And we still try to maintain that now, yeah. but the music's evolved so much in the last couple of years. Yeah, there's a, uh, there's definitely an innocence that we try to uh, maintain in the uh, production and in her her voice. Um, in some way, like the the balance of the synthesizers being st- like strong, and then her voice. Uh, being uh, what the synthesizers are trying to protect from, I don't know what, whatever the world. And uh, all right, let's hear one. Let, let let's hear a song because I'm very intrigued now. Okay, should we play <laughs> one live? Love it. I'm gonna love it. You I mean, I already love it. But yeah, let's play. Let's hear. Let's rip a tune. Is all right. Awesome? I don't know if you guys really rip your tunes, but let's rip a tune. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. No, I need this. Okay, let's. Here. All right, here we go. Miami Drive. Live on Snacky Tunes.
Oh, man. Awesome. I really wanted to be in some back room with a light-up disco floor at, like, 4 a.m. during that track. <laughs> awesome. <Totally>. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> oh, that got real. That was pretty grown and sexy. It really is. A lot, of, a lot of adult love going on there. Nice. <laughs> um, so you guys are from Miami. Yes. Born Big and raised. Well, I'm born and raised. Julio was born in Nicaragua, right? I was yes. born in Nicaragua, but I, I moved to Miami when I was three, and I, so I grew up Just there. by yourself? Yeah. No, That's my, cool, man. My parents are. Uh, yeah, dude, Nicaragua, this scene's dead. Look at Miami. Out of here. <laughs> uh, did, and you guys never met growing up, but uh, I mean, I assume good food growing up, though? Mm. Yes, very yeah? good food. Um, my family is uh, half Colombian, half Cuban, so very, okay. very Latin-based. All right. <laughs> Yeah, Nicaraguan food, I mean, Cuban food is, I think, what binds us. I, uh, I'm a big, when I go to Miami, I go directly to a Cuban uh, bakery. Can you let me know where you can actually get a good Cuban sandwich in Miami? Definitely. There, yes. There's a... Uh, because I, I, I have family there, and everyone takes me to these places, and I'm like, these are all crap. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. part, I'm at the point now where I'm like, well, maybe there is not this ethereal Cuban sandwich. Mm-hmm. That exists, maybe they're just not as good, but I, I don't believe that's the case. I, no, yeah. yeah, I think the ones in Miami are just the more sort of sim- simple idea of a Simple's Cuban. Fine. Yeah, simple idea. Right. I feel like um, the sort of evolution of the Cuban sandwich, they've just made it better. Oh, uh, like using like, artisanal meats and things like that. Exactly. So, like, when you go down to Miami, you go to like a typical like Cuban place. Yeah. It's not in the hood, pretty much. <laughs> that's where you find the best sandwich. It's fine. I, I lived in a, in a place called uh, Sweetwater, which is mostly um, Nicaraguans, but uh, at first it was all Cubans. And there are a few places there that are cheap, uh, tiny, but everything is just perfect. Everyone that works there actually just got there from Cuba oh, yeah. a few months ago, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, you know. You know, I'm not familiar with Nicaraguan food. What's that like? Um, it's it's really simple as well. It's, uh, it's a lot of sauces. Like, we, we love our chimichurri, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, a... Um, uh, a uh, uh, skirt steak with uh, oh, yeah. chimichurri, uh, some uh, rice and beans combined, which we call gallo pinto, and uh, and then we have you know like plantains of, of, in any form, you know, mashed or actually fried. Growing up, my family and I used to go down to Bayside and eat at Los Ranchos, ranchos yeah. and which was Nicaraguan every Sunday night. <laughs> really? Nice. Yes. It's one of the... the it's, mm. it's a chain now, It's but, I mean... Is it, it a chain? Yeah, now there's like three, but there, 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 there's, there was one there was one in the Nicaraguan neighborhood and it became very popular. And then they opened up one at, at Bayside, which was... It's, it's like a huge touristy you know, place. But yeah, that place still, still has... I mean, the, the food is still good there. Tiff, are you getting the benefits of a home-cooked Nicaraguan meal? Oh, yes, I am. Yeah? Oh, my God. Julio is the meat. I call him the meat master, which is a disgusting wow. term if your mind goes there. It did. <laughs> but it, we're just specifically talking That's about really sweet of you, baby. how he can marinate all kinds of delicious meat and oh. make amazing sauces. Wow. He's an incredible chef. I, I, yeah. I don't no, you're really modest. That's totally uh, it's fine. It's experimentation be, but... constantly. You know, like my dad was that kind of guy who would just throw 10 things in a pot and then magically there was a potion there. And it's like, wow. Was it magic though or was it like controlled madness? <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I wow. think uh, actually maybe more of the controlled madness yeah. actually now that I think about Where it. Where you're going like, what am I looking at here, dad? <laughs> He's like, you're going to love it. Just be quiet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think he loved it. 
That's amazing. Do you cook? I do. Mm. I do. That She's was, an amazing chef. Um, that was actually my first passion. I did the opposite. I went uh, food first, then music. Okay. But do you feel like you're bringing the same sort of passion and skills to your approach to music as you did for food? Um, yes, definitely. It's um, it's very intense. Very intense. <laughs> I, yes, I um, I spend long, long hours cooking. I'm like more of a slow cook. I I could uh, spend yeah. all day doing it. Uh, I'm I'm halfway through a tomato jam right now. Very nice. That I got started, mm. but I had to turn the heat off because I had to come to a radio show. <laughs> <laughs> it took, it took a three or four hour process. Yeah, but I didn't want to be up to midnight cooking it. It's yeah. really good. Food fifty two. Tomato jam. Search the recipe. It's, oh, cool! It's I love awesome. that. I love it's that. It's so good. Um, awesome. Another track. Another song. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Sure. All right. What do you want to hit us with? Something with some Cubano flavor. Uh, yeah. This one is definitely very uh, Miami freestyle. So this is it has, it has, it has t- the tinge of that. Okay. Yes. <laughs> it's called House Party. Oh, House Party. So first track off the EP, right? Yes. Awesome. Well, here we go. Live on Snacky Tunes. Once again, we have. Miami Drive.
guys. Woo! So sassy. A little freestyle right there at the end. A little wild style. Um, so let's talk about the EP. Super fun. Super great. Super summer jams. Uh, when did that drop? Has it dropped? It's actually, we've just released the first single, House Party, which is the one you just heard. Um, yeah, the, the rest of the EP mm-hmm. will probably come out in the fall. Um, we're working on a music video right now. Ooh. Yeah, which is going to be... Yeah. Pretty epic, I hope. Who's making it? Uh, well, we'll just we're keeping it internal for now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sh- should be a nice surprise for everyone. Yes, definitely. <laughs> All right. But very, very Miami influence, I, I would say, and uh, a part of uh, our upbringing, which is uh, novelas, one of our biggest influences in, oh. in our music making is the Spanish novella. Really. Uh, just in, ter- in, in, in all its glory and uh, not glory, <laughs> but the humor—the humor that you capture from it, with it being so serious—and it's that's something that I feel like in music, I, I love. You know, um, as the video going to be like open shirt, wax chest type of thing. <laughs> it might might be. Yeah. It might go there. We might end <laughs> up there. there. It might go there. Very I'm, very emotional. Yeah, thing. I'm a very I'm a pretty terrible actress, so I feel like it'll really come through perfectly in this sort of novela theme. It'll come mm-hmm. like just it'll make the most sense. It's like my debut, my terrible <laughs> acting debut. Are you excited? Excited for your close up? I am. Yes, thank you. Um, <laughs> tons of close ups. Yeah. So the EP my is zooms. coming out in the fall. Who's putting it out? Uh, we don't have a label yet. We've been shopping it around. That seems like a mistake by the music industry. Um, it's yeah. We have some. We have some options right now. So okay, it's good yeah. to have options. Yeah, definitely. Good to have options. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, and then tour. Well, yeah, that's something that we we want to really do um, coming up maybe next fall when yeah. we drop the, the EP. And we stuff have and actually an a show coming up um, August 29th with Midnight Magic, which is pretty cool. Uh, oh, let Friday. me just check. If August 29th? August 29th. Yeah. I'll be there. Nice. Sweet. I have a wedding the next day, but I'll be there. Okay, well, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we're going to make it to the wedding now, though. I know. That's the thing, because when we drive, you guys start at, like, one in the morning, maybe one thirty. Oh, look at that! Yeah. That's a late show. <laughs> that is late. Yeah. Wait, is, this, is this another cameo special? Oh yeah. 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 Duh. Hey, shout out to Jiffy who just got married. Definitely. Ooh, shout yeah, out to yeah, Jiffy. Yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations. Jiffy and Mary. Jeffy. Jiffy, really? That place. Every time I go in there, I know he really just turned that. Do you remember when it was just that like half room? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And it's now yes. like a proper. Yeah. And he made the sound. The sound in there is great now. Dude, Simeon Mobile Disco out. played there the other day. I know. Really? Simeon. It's so crazy. Played there. <laughs> and it was awesome. It yeah. was awesome. He's continuing the, the golden age of that era. I remember, like, you know, Coco 66, for instance, oh, yeah. had a certain sweaty room in the back. Um, and then that never really. He's the last standing <laughs> Brooklyn sweaty room. Yes. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, look, now that there is, like, output and output. verboten, but it's mm-hmm. that's. That's the place that's, right there. For live bands and stuff, yeah. What, for cameo? Yeah, and for DJs as well. It's just the sound system has gotten better and better. And, it just, and you just well, feel like you could be in any other era. Oh, it's so good. the present, right? It just and that feels... basement, that basement is like, oh, yeah. touch me in the basement type of vibe. Yes. <laughs> you know? like, but in the good way. In the super good way. <laughs> Definitely. Um, touch me in the basement. Yeah. If that's not a new Midnight Magic song, I don't know what is. No. <laughs> Send that back to the boys. Touch okay, me in the well, basement. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And we'll have you back on because I know you guys are working on the next, the next one, right? 
Yeah, EP coming out next month too. All right, so not what about did you? Us, though, so not about us. This is about Miami Drive. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, all right, so Miami Drive. I want to make sure that we have enough time for one more song. Um, so where can people find you? Instagram, Twitter. What's your Instagram game? Good, strong. Uh, yeah, we've actually. It's one of those things where um, it's it's been hard for us to to, to take that as as a, a means of promotion. Um, just because our personalities, we're, I don't. I'm not. I'm not necessarily a type of a bro down kind of guy. So I don't really have a, a large friend base, you could say. And so, like Instagram has been a really hard thing to understand how to how to approach and use. Food shots, pet shots. Yeah, Is done. That there it? you go. I'm telling you. See. Honestly, if you have a you band Instagram that never posts about music and it's just great food and cute dogs, done. Done. Okay, done. we're gonna try awesome. that. Done. And it sounds like that. I'm telling you, you put up a photo of you playing keyboards and a photo of you with uh, skirt taken and chimichurri sauce. You see which one yeah. I like. I'm telling you, I know exactly which one it is. Awesome. I, the best I place that. right now to really check us out is on SoundCloud, Miami Drive. Um, but is everything Miami Drive, Instagram, Twitter? Um, everything, yeah. Uh, right now, Facebook, Miami Drive Bend is the full name. Okay. Uh, SoundCloud, it's just Miami Drive. And then uh, Instagram and Twitter is also just Miami Drive straight. No hyphens or anything. Cool. All right, well, thank mm-hmm. you so much. Shout thank out to you. the pit bastard. Go, go to yes. Hey, if you need dinner plans tonight, he's, he'll be behind the grill or behind the stove. <laughs> we, just the de- we just had delicious pizza. Oh, shout out to our birds as always. Yeah. Heritage. Uh, this is our last show of the summer. Ooh. Yeah. Awesome. We got shit to do. Yeah. Uh, we'll be, both Greg and I will be out at FYF. Uh, in LA next weekend. So if you see us and you're one of our four listeners, um, one of which maybe lives in LA, come say hi to us. <laughs> and then we got weddings and I guess uh, Midnight Magic, Midnight Drive show. Miami Drive. Miami Drive. What did I say? Midnight Drive? Midnight Drive. It happens well, like to me all the time as well. Oh. It's, I mean. All right, well, Miami Drive, what's the last song? Uh, it's Give It Up. All right, Give It Up. Here we go. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for an amazing summer. Uh, we will see you, and I can't believe I have to say this, we will see you in the fall. Where the hell did 2014 go? I don't know. All right. Okay. See you guys soon. Bye. Let's do it.
talk about food. We talk about music with musical dudes. Finger on the pulse, snacky tunes. Snacky tunes is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.